a wine. I tell you. I'm sipping, surging, my chucks on, feet kicked up, what a clerk's on, fantastic for my coming book, my speakers wearing switch foot, I'm green day, like all day, or 24 when you count red Jack Bauer, I'm stone cold, I'm the big show, I'm Walter White, I crawl at night, I woo on my Ric Flair, I bugie on my Vamp Slayer, I love my Justice League, that's the team player, I'm Batman, I'm Superman, DC Comic made my boots swing, I'm lost without the rock, I'll go dead with top rope, Scorpion stay. I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the geek house, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the geek Previously on the Geek House Podcast. Well, all right. Are we done? I guess we can wrap it up. I mean, it's we like could keep talking done. forever. I could keep going. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess we have to call it quits eventually. And my wife's calling. So, man. She looks beautiful. Time. Time. <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Volume 2. And this wraps it up. And we'll... We'll be back after a while. We don't know how long it's going to be. Could be a couple yeah. weeks. Could be a couple months. It was Probably just, shorter. It was just a surge, by the way, the bill. So. Oh yeah. yeah so <laughs> I owe you a surge. That'll work. Yeah. We'll probably be, but we'll probably be back quicker than last time. I'd say. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to go I'm with think, other topics. I'm thinking February. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, geek out. We'll geek out, everybody. Welcome to the Geek House Podcast. Here are your hosts. Brian and Casey. Oh my goodness, it's volume three of the Geek House podcast. Can you believe it? I can't. This is amazing. Oh, this is... my name is Brian. I'm one of your hosts. I am Casey. I'm that other host. And I'm going to start the podcast off with a lament. Okay. I know it's an exciting way to kick off volume three with something that I'm sad about. Totally. But I went to three gas stations this morning and I can't find any surge. Are you kidding me? I haven't had a surge in like four months, and I didn't have one the last time we recorded, and you and Roderick did, and I want one really bad, and the gas station near my house that has been selling them for the past year or two, nowhere in sight. Could not find them. Unbelievable. I I went in a few weeks ago, and I was starting to get really upset because there was no surge in that gas station, so I looked up on surge.com. I found their surge locator. Yeah. And uh, that thing is useless. Yeah, like, it really it, is. It, it does nothing to tell me where Surge is. Mm-mm. So I, I, have, I have no Surge. And I, I haven't surge. had one since the, re- the last recording. And I really haven't looked for one, but my brother sent me a picture. He went to a theater in, uh, movie theater in Jackson, Mississippi, and they had icy Surge Ices. At, at a movie theater in Jackson? Yeah. Uh, I'll be going to Jackson soon. Yeah, he said it was amazing. I'm well, like, I mean, Burger King, about two years ago, right around the same time as Surge Comeback, Burger King had Surge, basically Icy's, whatever they call Icy's at Burger King. Yeah, Frozen um, Surge. Yeah, and that uh, it was awesome. It was yummy. Um, they, they only had it for like two or three months, and all of a sudden it was gone. It was like gone. I only got it like twice because I was like, oh, this is a thing now. I literally, no, it was just... I literally pulled up to a Burger King right after they stopped having them. I was like, wait, do y'all have frozen surge? They were like, no. I'm like, that's the only reason to ever come to Burger King. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been... To that point, I hadn't been to a Burger King in a very... At least two or three years. And yeah. my wife doesn't like Burger King, so I'm we don't ever fine. go there. So I'm I don't, I'm... I don't dislike it, but I don't love it either. I've like, come around on them. Their their hot dogs are pretty good. 
I don't think I've ever had a hot dog from Burger King. Yeah. So Hey, look, a rabbit. I want to say something. If you ever turn on me the way that Kevin Owens turned on Chris Jericho this past Monday night, this podcast is over. Well, then I might not want to give you this gift I got you. Because <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Why is my yeah. name on it? <laughs> Why has this got my name on it? Oh, poor Chris awesome. Jericho. Poor Chris. And I'm guessing that after Mania, he's probably going to be gone for a while. Yeah, I figure. He's, he's he, been there a little while now. He's, it's, I didn't realize it's been like a year. It's been over like a year this, because – This uh, run has been – I know that he – you know, last WrestleMania he was up against AJ Styles. Um, I feel like he had been there just a couple months before that too. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't he in the Rumble? I believe so. I believe he so was in the Rumble year. last year. Yeah. So this the has been 61 a, minute man. This has been a really good run for him. Yeah, I mean it's and he and I know that there's always an element of honesty to to Jericho's rantings in the ring. Yeah. Like he'll 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 overplay it, but there's always some kind of little nugget of truth in there. And you could tell like, you know, he was talking to Kevin and he was saying like, you know, you're my best friend and all that. But I think there's some truth to the fact that this has been one of his most favorite most mm-hmm. favorite is that even correct grammar that's been like probably one of his favorite runs that he's done just because he you can tell he's just been having a really good time yeah so he, that's probably very true and all the stuff that he's been able to just to get over the word it it oh yeah gets a pop when he just says it <laughs> i mean that's that's how amazing this run's been i can't you know? tell you i can't tell you how big i was smiling the other night when i was watching raw and they and he he was like just before he was going to say it, he paused, and they went to commercial, and he had his finger like pointed in the air, and they went to commercial, and when they came back, he was in the exact same position. Yeah. So my guess is he stood there like that for like five or six minutes in front of a live audience, and nothing happened. Just a He just up. stood there, and then once they came back from commercial, you could see Kevin like tap him, and he's like, it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I know there's probably people out there who that would annoy the mess out of them. I was rolling. Like, was I brilliant. thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, well, sad wrestling news. Uh George, I just read that George the Animal Steel died today. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know, uh Chavo Senior, Chavo Guerrero's dad died just last week. So we got no, a little, I did not know that. We got a little rash of uh wrestling deaths going on. Which is always yeah, and, um, which is always sad, but George Animal Steel was seventy nine, so I mean he lived a heck of a life. Yeah. Um and who was it was it uh Jimmy Jimmy Snooker, Snooker yeah, that's right. Over, he, he died recently. Over the break back back in January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Since we've last recorded, um, Carrie Fisher passed away. Yeah, and her mom did and, and her Debbie mom Reynolds, and then um, the very next day. I guess I guess David Bowie had already passed away. Yeah, that, that was a while ago. That was early last year. So, yeah, or Prince and all that. Man, 2016 was a rough year. Yeah, 2017 is continuing it. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's we, just start the podcast we, on some exciting, happy things. We got ourselves down already. <laughs> Dang it. So speaking of things that happened over the break, like people dying. Yep. Um, I just figured. As we're coming back and kicking off Volume 3, there's so much stuff that I've gotten into or been able to read that I've wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. since our last recording that I'm like, you know what? Maybe we just need to hit some of these things 
and we're probably not even going to get to everything. Yeah, very um, true. But just be able to talk about some things that we got to do or see or uh, read, listen to over the break. So I just got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, and I think I know how I want to start it off. Okay. Um, thanks to Inspired by the Podcast, How Did This Get Made?, I decided that over the over the Christmas break, which I actually thought this would take me like a week or two, and it ended up taking me three months because I'm a father of two and a husband and I have a full-time job. So watching these movies uh, turned out to be much more time-consuming than I was thinking it would be. Kind of like how I really, really, really want to watch The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. All I still haven't watched it from like beginning to end with all six movies. Yeah. And I'm realizing I'm probably never going to do that. <laughs> like maybe, maybe when my kids leave the house, I'll finally get around to doing that. But inspired by How Did This Get Made, because the How Did This Get Made crew love these movies. And I've only seen a few of them. And I was like, I want to watch them from start to finish. And then I'll go see the newest one in theaters coming up here in March or whenever that is. I watched all of the Fast and Furious movies over the break. All of them? Uh, all of them, even the ones that everybody hates. Which the only, and the funny thing is, I know that I had seen Fast Five. I think that's the title because I get confused as to which ones are named Fast and which ones are named Furious at this point. Um, the only ones I could remember was, of course, the first one, but I barely remembered it. Um, the ones I clearly remembered were Fast Five because they were in Rio. Mm-hmm. I remembered that one, and I remembered Tokyo Drift. I watched Tokyo Drift like right when it came out on video years ago. And I don't remember why I think it was because that kid from sling blade was in it. And I was just like, really? Yeah. And I love listening to that kid talk like that movie. He's like, I like the way you talk. I like the way you talk. Like, I really do love listening to that kid talk. He is from a special place in the South where like people think everybody in the South talks like him. No, I love listening to that guy yeah. talk. He was from uh, fr- but, Friday Night Lights, too. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. That. So I think it was after Tokyo Drift that he started Friday Night Lights, which I'm like, at that point, wasn't he like 34? Probably. And he's still playing a high school student? Yeah. But anyway, I watched him uh, chronologically, which then I found out that I didn't because I was very confused because there's a character that dies in the third one that is there in the fourth one. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, that guy's dead. And I, didn't, I was not aware that even though Tokyo Drift was the third Fast and Furious movie, as far as the timeline of those movies, the plot of Tokyo Drift takes place after Fast 6 or Furious 6, whatever it is, after the sixth one. Seriously? Because there's, yeah, because there's a character that's in 4, 5, and 6 that dies in Tokyo Drift. So okay. I don't think they I don't think they planned it that way. I think they just kind of retconned it because they wanted to keep using that character, and somebody regretted killing him off. because yeah. he's a he's a fun character. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I, so I was really confused, and I finally just had to Google it. That's like how um, the um, the uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom is actually set before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not, pe- right. not many people realize that. Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's actually like a prequel. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I enjoy those type of movies, movies that you just don't have to think about. And I did have a good time watching them. Um, but even I have moments where I just kind of go, really? Mm. Like that was a little, that was silly. And then one of the number one things that happens in every movie is I just go, how do they know where to go? Because in every movie at some point, of course, there's going to be a race. Mm -hmm. And it's always just like, let's race. 
And then they all line up and they're like, burr, burr, and a girl comes out scantily clad and she's like, are you ready? Go. You know, every time. And then they just drive. And I'm like, where do they, how do they know where to go? And in some of the movies, they have a GPS and the GPS is telling them, take a left, you know? And you're like, they're going 130 miles an hour. <laughs> like, I can't follow a GPS when I'm going 35. <laughs> Like, Left. how do they now? this now? Yeah. Uh. This woman's like, take a right. You missed it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I, it makes no sense. But I actually had to text this to you because it was so funny. At the end of the sixth movie, the climax of the movie takes place on a runway. And they're trying to keep this huge plane from taking off. And there, it's a 15-minute scene at least. And the whole time, they're going full speed like, almost takeoff speed for this plane on this runway. And they're going and straight. And I won't go through all the details and everything, huh? They're going straight. They don't ever turn on this. Going straight. They never turn. They never slow down. It is just, they couldn't because of all the different cars that find themselves attached to this plane because they're using like grappling hooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's ridiculous. It's entertaining as all get out. And the rock's <laughs> neck is the thickest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. But... Like, it is entertaining as anything, but it just, even I'm just kind of going, uh, okay, like, this is just ridiculous. How long is this runway? So I looked it up, I actually Googled it, and for, thankfully someone else had done the math because I don't do math. And uh, with all the, all the numbers aside, I'm not going to go through all that because we don't have time for it. But basically, the longest runway in the world is in China, and it's 3.5 miles long. And someone did the math based on how fast they were going and how long they were on that runway. That runway would have had to have been 28.3 miles long. Gosh. (laughs) And I'm just thinking that is hilarious. Like Uh, nobody, that didn't occur to anybody, you know, like watching, I mean, not watching, but making these movies like, man, this, we're on a runway for a really long time. No, the stunts and everything are crazy fun. Mm -hmm. You know, they're totally beyond belief. There's not one part of me that's like, this is real. No, I'm. I know that this is just ridiculous. So I haven't watched the seventh one yet because I have to rent it and Redbox doesn't carry it anymore. So my goal is to watch the seventh one and then actually see the eighth one in theaters, which I've never seen one of these movies in theaters. Yeah. So now that'll be interesting for me. Literally, the but, only one I've ever seen is Tokyo Drift. Really? Yeah. What is the likelihood? I, I don't know. For, for whatever reason, it was on one day. And I was like, wait a minute. I like that kid. I'm going to watch this. I, that is so, that's exactly why I watched it, because I'm like, that's that kid from Sling Blade. i yeah. got to see this. And I had already seen the first one. I had seen parts of the second one. The second one was the hardest one to get through. Mm. Like, and not just because it didn't have Vin Diesel in it, which, you know, that's just beside the point. It was just, it was so mid-2000s. And do you remember that, and I don't know if you were, I know you were around, but do you remember that after the Fast and the Furious came out, there was a group of guys in our hometown yeah. that actually called themselves the Fast and the Furious. Yes. And like put stickers on their little Hondas and stuff and drove around town like they were street racers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and one of and one of my best friends from school was actually one of them and I was like, "Oh, please stop." Every time I think about it, like if I hear those movies, my mind immediately flashes back to that little crew and and back home. <laughs> like man that was the most ridiculous and this thing. is small town ta- this isn't like small town in some big 
big uh, state in America. This is small town Mississippi. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, we're not talking about Bakersfield, California yeah. or something where you're like an hour's drive from L.A. We're talking about central Mississippi, an hour and a half south of Memphis. Yeah. You know, like that just – oh, oh that boy. was the most ridiculous thing. But it was entertaining, and my wife made fun of me for it Yeah, multiple times. Speaking of my wife making fun of me for things, um, I have to tell you this. I was watching Raw the other night. And my wife comes in, and Neville is on screen being interviewed, mm-hmm. and he's like interrupted by what's the gentleman's name? Jack Gallagher. By Jack Gallagher, the extraordinary gentleman. Extraordinary gentleman. He's interrupted by Jack Gallagher, and uh, right when Jack comes on screen, my wife walks in the room, and she just stops at the TV and goes, "That is a very pale Irishman." And I just said, yes, it is. Yeah. Like, what else do you say? I said, wait till you see his shorts. And they panned out a little bit, and you can see his little trunks. And yeah. she's like, oh, my gracious. I'm like, I know. So she leaves the room. She's gone for a while, and I'm still – I keep watching Raw. When she comes back in, Seamus is on screen. <laughs> so she walks in and just goes, that is another pale Irishman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. That's uh, that's kind of funny. She, she should have watched the UK tournament that they had at the beginning of the year. It was like it oh, was yeah. so much white flesh in that, man. Oh, so man. much white meat. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to wrestling because there's a lot of wrestling to go into. Uh, speak, sure. Speaking of binging, I'm still doing my X-Men reading project. I, I texted you yeah. a picture the other day of I, talked, I got the library that I work at to, to actually purchase the Age of Apocalypse omnibus. So that, yeah, like, I, I own most of those comics. I'm pretty sure, but I don't feel like digging them out of the box. I was like, I want to read this in one big chunk. So uh, yeah, I, I got that in, and that's where I'm at now. Is the Age of Apocalypse? Is that the Age of Apocalypse in the 90s? Yeah, ni- 1995. That's what I thought. So I've gone in my reading project, which has gone just like a year and three months now. I've gone 20 years of X Men comics, and wow. I, I think I'm around probably around a thousand comics I've read so far. That's crazy. And that's, I mean, that's in addition to my regular reading comics, my regular reading books. And I'm in a fiction writing class right now where we have to read like short stories every day. So I have done a lot of reading over this past year. Yeah. Plus all the, well, I was going to, I was going to mention that too, that you've gone back to school. Yeah. I'm just taking a class right now. I'm trying to, I'm waiting to get into a, a master's program through university of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. for information sciences which is basically the modern library sciences yeah um but i'm yeah because of my english degree i already have i just i, I want to get back into writing something so i'm just taking a little writing yeah. class have you found it difficult to get through any of the x-men series yes the 90s stuff this is this is what i've determined if if the story is good and the art is good you're fine if the story is good and the art is bad, it can really turn you on a on a story. And if the yeah, and if definitely both of them are good, it is hard to get through. There's a lot of uh, Wolverine graphics. You mean if both of them are bad? Yeah, if both of them are bad. So like okay, you said, good. Just oh, I'm sure. sorry. Yeah, if both if both of them are bad, it is it is tough to get through. And there's a lot of '90s like fill in stuff. Yeah, and there's like all these uh, like, like annuals that came out. They were just done by some random team, and it they're so bad. They're so bad. Like all these Wolverine graphic novels that are just man, they're such trash, and it's, it's hard to get through them. Right. Uh, but 
I mean, but if it, when it's on, it's on, I mean, you know, the age of apocalypse stuff is so much fun because it was so well planned out, you know, I mean, it's over the top. It's crazy. You know, you got Wolverine running around with one hand cut off and, you know, but, um, yep. Yeah. It's, it's at a fun time in the X-Men comics. So, um, I'm enjoying it right now. Cool. Yep. Um, over the break, I just wanted to mention this a, a little bit. Over the break, I've done a lot of work on Fiverr.com. Have I told you about that? I think I've seen a little bit here and there, but I didn't know what you were um, doing. It's Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and it's it claims to be the world's largest uh, supplier of freelance, uh, like, uh, they, they call them gigs, but it's like freelance production work. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's where I got our logo designed for our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's where... Uh, I've done a lot. I've purchased a lot of things on there. I'm actually getting a graphic done right now for volume three that I'm pretty excited about that I can't wait to show you. Um, where, but I decided where all the voiceover stuff like the Groot and oh yeah, like Megatron our voiceover. Oh, I gotta get I gotta get new voiceovers Uh-oh. for volume three. I totally forgot to do that. But yeah, it's where we get our voiceover work done and everything. So I decided to create my own profile on there and start providing gigs because I play music and I write music and I sing and. So I put a couple of gigs up there, but the one that's going to give me a lot of work is I put up that I would write parody songs for people and perform them. And so I can either play my guitar and sing a parody song, or I can uh, like download a track and sing to a track. Uh, I've made, since November, I've made over $500 doing this. Really? Like, yeah, like I, it is. And the thing is, I've been working my behind off. Yeah. It's like so. I've been spending, a, I've been spending a lot of time in this room because, you know, you only get like gigs range from the, you have the minimum is $5. Um, because I was getting so much work, I was able to rise my, raise my minimum price to 10. And, uh, so I've, but I've still had a lot of people ordering and a lot of people doing it right now. I'm working on a song for a guy. I'm doing a cover of the friends theme song. For a guy in Dallas who's opening a Chick-fil-A, and he asked me to write a song, you know, just basically being funny and singing about Chick-fil-A, so yeah. I'm working on that right now, and oh. I just got through, there's a rabbi, this is so cool, a rabbi who lives in Israel, mm-hmm. who he and his son are writing a, a series of books called Two Kings, and it's based on a proverb from Solomon, and uh, about one king that rules one kingdom that wants to do the right thing, and another king that always wants to do the bad thing. And uh, he asked me to write, hired me to write a theme song for their Kickstarter campaign. So I've done that, and I've actually just finished it and delivered it last night. I've made over $100 just doing that oh, wow. for him. And, like, it's been really fun, and it's given me this really cool creative outlet. On the other hand, it's really it, it's been really challenging at times, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really cool, but I just kind of wanted to mention that. Like, it's been really fun. Um, but check out fiverr.com. I mean, I, I've gotten so, I've done so much business on it. Um, and one of the things I've, it's enabled me to do is I was just able to pay a drummer on Fiverr to help me do a couple of demos of songs that I've written. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy with the results. Like the music that I've recorded over the past three months has been the music I've been wanting to make my entire life hmm. because it's very pop punk inspired like the type of music that i just love but at the same time it doesn't sound like anything i've ever heard before and it just sounds like me and what i've been hearing in my head for years Mm -hmm. and the fact that i've finally been able to get this 
done. Like it's just, it's making me so incredibly happy. I can't even describe it. Like I love it. So this guy, this drummer I found on there is just, he's awesome. I guess I could say his username is James plays drums mm-hmm. and all one, you know, one word. He's just really awesome. He delivers really fast. And uh, man, it's just the whole fiber thing is just really giving me something really creative to do and makes me feel really accomplished. And I'm really proud of it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, one of my best friends, I mentioned his name on here before his nickname is cause um, Shane is his first name. He, for the past few years, he, he makes custom wrestling figures. Oh yeah. You told and, me about that. Uh, I don't think I've ever said it on here. I think I've told you about it. And like, I've asked him before. I'm like, well, so, I mean, you're making money off this. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm probably making as much money doing this as I do in my regular job. Cause I mean, really? yeah, cause I mean, he can make them like great quality. I mean, he uses clay, he molds clay and then he hand paints every little thing. He's created his own like luchador line, but he's also does, you know, like he's made me some custom figures. Like I think he made, he made me an ultimate warrior once and ah, something else like he he sends them to me all the time. So, um. Oh my goodness! Does wonderful stuff. He's had like indie wrestlers contact him before, and he's made for them. Um, there was, was it? It wasn't Jackie. I think it was Jackie. Uh, you remember the African American female wrestler Jacqueline? Yeah, yeah. And uh, her husband contacted him one time and wanted some figures of them. Wow. And so I mean, it's you know he's like, dude, this is my creative outlet, and I you know he has a great time doing it, and it's he's great. I mean, he he's amazing the work he does. Yeah, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, well, uh, all right, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, what you got? Like, you seen any shows? What's up? Yeah, uh, I got a couple of TV shows I was going to mention. Um, first of all, my wife and I have had a hard time finding a TV show that we both enjoy to watch that's not on Food Network and that's not Law & Order SVU. Ugh. And surprisingly, one of the things we found that we both really enjoy is Stone Cold's Skull Ranch Challenge. Really? Yeah. Um, the only thing is, only thing I don't like about the show is I wish there was somebody else with Stone Cold that he could talk to. Yeah. Because the whole time it's just Stone Cold yelling at everybody. Yeah, that can be a little. <laughs> like it almost, it almost makes you wish that there was like if he had some other former wrestler or somebody or like even a girl his wife or something, just somebody else for him to like bounce ideas off of and, and talk to. But man, that show is really fun to, it's aggressive. Yeah. Like, and it's intense and my wife actually really enjoys it. And I'm like, wow, I would not expect that. So we've been watching that for the past couple of weeks together. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I think I meant to mention this before the break. I don't remember if we ever actually talked about it, but 24 mm. legacy. Yeah. The, um, yes. I was I was absolutely not interested in uh, a 24 season without Jack Bauer, mm-hmm. and I don't think most people are. Um, but if you haven't seen the reviews, the reviews are pretty good, and I watched it after the Super Bowl, and I'm hooked. Oh, yeah? Like, I love it because at the end of the day, it's 24, and I saw in the previews that Tony's going to be there eventually. So I'm like, oh, Tony, where's he been for the past you know, eight years? Um, and Kiefer Sutherland is an executive producer on the show. So there's a chance. Cause he, he kind of has to be, cause I'm pretty sure he owns the rights. You know, I think he was part of the creative team that came up with mm. it or something. But so there's hope that Jack Bauer could show up at some point, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, but I like the show. I like the lead. Um, I like what they're doing and, um, I like the plot line and the story and everything has, has been great so far. And it's, 
it's 24. I mean, it feels just like it. I mean, it's it's slightly different, but I mean, once I watched that first episode, I was like, oh, yep, here I am hooked to 24 again. Like, I'm going to watch every single episode because hmm. it's it feels just like back when I was watching the Jack Bauer Power Hour, as we called it. <laughs> so I really like it. Um, and then I'll just mention one other and I'll let you talk. Um, I really, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show either. I really love the History Channel show Vikings. I want to get into that so bad because it looks so awesome. It is so stinking good. And this last season, I think it just ended, and I wasn't ready. Mm. I thought that this, I thought this was going to be a mid-season uh, ending, but I think it was just the end of this current season. Mm-hmm. Um, so stinking good. Like I honestly, I, I'm. This is going to sound like blasphemy, but I think I like Vikings more than I like Game of Thrones. Oh really? Like I love, and and there's a lot of reasons behind that. But my favorite thing about Vikings is it is, for one, it's it's somewhat historically accurate. You can actually look these people up. Like you can actually look up um, Ragnar Lothbrok. Mm-hmm. All right, you can actually he wasn't he was an actual historical figure in Viking culture. He really existed, but a lot of his exploits have been overblown. He really did attempt to sack France. He really did land and attack England. I mean, he, all these things that he's done actually happened, but of course we don't know all these details that they put into the show. Um, and the crazy thing is, is that his sons are a huge part of his story as well, because the only Vikings that are more famous than Ragnar Lothbrook are Ragnar Lothbrook's sons. Mm. Like, and that's such a cool story to tell. So, but my favorite thing about the show, and of course, as a minister, of course, this is where it comes in, but what I love about it, and I've even seen, Um, some stuff on the History Channel where they talk about this, is that, yes, the show is about Vikings. It's about these uh, warmongering culture of people that that attack and sack other places, and and they're they're savages in a way. And it is about their culture, but there's this subplot through the entire series where Ragnar Lothbrok is having a battle of a spiritual battle. Because in the very first season, he and his Viking clan— they sack a monastery and they take a bunch of the priests or the monks hostage or not hostage. They take them as their slaves. And one of the slaves, a guy by the name of Athelstat becomes Ragnar's slave and Ragnar starts to ask him questions about God. And so the crazy thing about the show, and I'm kind of giving something away, but I mean, you kind of, you'll get it no matter what, but the crazy thing is, is that you see this battle with Ragnar that he has his doubts about the gods that the Vikings believe in. And he kind of wants to believe in, in God, like the Christian God. Mm. And he, there's, and throughout the entire series, there's this battle of, do I believe in the Christian God or do I believe in the Norse gods? And he becomes the king of the Vikings. And he realizes at some point I'm the king of the Vikings and I don't believe in Odin. I don't believe in Valhalla. And so it's this really interesting dichotomy of him being the Viking king and 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 supposedly he's fighting for glory in Valhalla and he's and the whole reason he goes to war is to is to earn his place in eternity but he doesn't actually believe it. Mm. So it is such I, lo- I seriously love this series and so the season that just ended I wouldn't say it was the best so far but it was amazing. Like, well, I mean, and every season has been great. It's about to get better because Adam Copeland, Edge, is about to join the cast. What? Are yep. you serious? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh. I don't know how many and episodes. You know, I know like at least three, but he's going to be like a regular or a semi-regular. Oh, that he he totally fits that profile too. Mm-hmm. If it, oh, that's awesome. And the last the last episode of this season, they just uh, what is the guy's name? He was he played Elvis on a CMT miniseries years ago, and he was on uh, Tudors. Is it John yeah, yeah, Reese yeah. Davies? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, um, he was the last like two minutes. John Reese Myers. The, Jonathan Reese Myers. Myers. Where did I get Davies from? There's a there's another actor named that. Okay. So, John Reese Myers, they just introduced him in the last, like, three minutes of the last episode. Like, and I had no idea he was coming on the show, so I was really excited to see him as well. John Reese so. Davies was um, 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 Gimli and, oh, and, Sala, right. and Sala from the Indiana Jones movies. So. so, they're both John Reese? John Reese Davies, John Reese Myers, yep. Oh, wow. Well, at least yeah. I was really close. Um, yeah, the, do you remember the Hatfields and McCoys show that um, – the Kevin Costner one? Yeah, and, and Bill yeah. Paxton. Paxton? Pullman? Paxton. Pullman. Pull, Paxton. Uh, Paxton. Paxton. I remember, Pullman is the president from ID4. There you go. Um, I remember watching that and just being like, come on, all of this couldn't have really happened. And so I looked up their story and read about it. And, like, I mean, they even had, like, a little mini Braveheart-style battle on a field and everything. I'm yeah. like, really? No, I looked it up, and, like, every single detail in that show happened. And it's, you know... That's what I like about the History Channel shows. They they do stick closer to history because sometimes yeah. reality is crazier than, you know, fiction. Yeah. I remember in high school, I got interested in the Hatfield and McCoys, and I remember looking up a lot of stuff and reading about it. And so when I was watching the show, that miniseries, I was like, oh, I remember that. Or something would happen, and I would go, did that really happen? And I would go look it up and go, wow, it did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, like, it was it was pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Oh, TV shows. Been getting into sci-fi channel shows, actually. Um, Incorporated, I think, had, like, their entire season during the break, during our break. And that huh. and that's a show that uh, I think Affleck and uh, uh, Damon produce with their... Really? Their whatever production company. You know, you know Affleck, the guy who doesn't want to be Batman anymore? <sighs> I was going to get to that. Well, yeah. Anyway, so... It's it's set in the future, near future, where like wars devastated the earth or whatever. I don't know. And uh, corporations have basically taken over in place of government. And mm-hmm. so there's a big split. There's like the red zone, which is where basically the poor people live. And it's yeah. kind of barely um, policed by anything, you know. Some like some places are okay. Some places are wild. Some places are just pretty much desolate. Uh, and then. The green zone, which is like just nice and clean and perfect, and that's where the rich live that work for the companies, um, for the corporations, and it's it's not really about like I mean there's like there's all the big stuff going on like the battles between corporations and stuff, but it's more about some of the characters involved in it, and that's the mm-hmm. main story, which is what I like about it. So I mean, you see the big picture, but it's really about just the characters. Um, yeah. And then The Expanse, I kept hearing how this is like the most amazing show on TV. It's even better than Game yeah, of Thrones and on, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that on Netflix? Uh, it's, on, it's on Amazon Prime, first season. Okay, it's, I have it saved somewhere because yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to watch this. It looks good. The second season just started back, but I'm, just, I'm like recording those and I'm trying to watch it on Amazon Prime. I've watched the first two episodes and man, they, I mean, they're, they're great. They're amazing. It's wow. A, it's about we've colonized part of the solar system, so we've colonized Mars and uh, the asteroid belt, and so Earth is just kind of earthy. I mean, it's you know it's been changes as far as governments and stuff like that, but it's uh, 
kind of basically it's normal. Um, Mars is a military world, basically. It's like one government is more military, militaristic. And then the asteroid belt is kind of like blue-collar workers who mine the as- the asteroids in the huh. asteroid belts. And so Earth and Mars depend on them, but then there's this big separation in the uh, quality of life and everything. The asteroid belt people just don't have that great of quality of life. And so it's just all this kind of back and forth between all the different, you know, uh, sections of the solar system. Yeah. And it's, man, it's really, really good. Huh. And then there was Legion. Have you gotten to see Oh, it? yeah. Oh. I still haven't watched it. Dude. Dude. I've recorded, I've recorded both episodes, but I haven't watched them yet. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but this show is, I mean, like, literally on, in the show, it's mind-blowing. But, I mean, it, it, it's amazing because... You don't know what's real when you're watching it. You don't know huh. if it's in his brain. All right. All right. Legion is an X-Men character. He is in the comics. He's Professor X's son who has yeah. uh, par- is either paranoid, schizophrenic, or he has multiple personalities. They just give him whatever mental illness they think he has. But basically, he has different personalities in his head, and each personality has a mutant power. And... Uh, speaking of Age of Apocalypse, he was the reason for Age of Apocalypse because he went back in right. time, tried to kill Magneto, but ends up killing his own father, leading to the Age of Apocalypse. Right. So right. he's ultra powerful, but he's not a good guy, or he's not, and he's not really a bad guy. And so this show is about this incredibly powerful mutant who cannot control his own mental illness, and so he's got different groups after him, and um, he's in a, he's in a mental hosp- uh, mental hospital. And he ends up meeting a girl in there who kind of has that. Say, I don't want to go into that because it'll spoil it. But she has a power too. I mean, you'll you'll kind of see. But like during all this, he's being interviewed by one group and he's being chased by another group, and so he doesn't even know what's real and what isn't. And so th- hmm. this, what's amazing about this show is it's just visually it's insane because I mean, once his powers start flaring up, it's just intense. I mean, like, he starts having, like, this telekinetic hurricane in his kitchen. You know, it, it's amazing. And when, he's, wow. when he starts using his firepower, it is just explosive. But this this show sets up a set of rules right at the beginning of what it's going to be like and then, like, immediately breaks the rules of what it's going to be and then flips the rules again in the same episode. So you are wow. just completely – it's challenging. I mean, this is amazing that this is a TV show. It is a yeah. challenging, challenging show that you really got to pay attention to because you just don't know what is what and what's up and what's down. Sometimes literally. Huh. Sometimes literally. That's what's so amazing about it. And there's some wow. there's some visuals in there that are just horrifying. But, like, the violence and, and the kind of the horrifying stuff, it's just it's real quick. Like, I mean, it's just shocking, and then it goes it moves moves on. So I yeah. cannot say enough about this show. It's amazing. I, I can't believe wow, they, that's exciting. I can't believe they got this from the X Men. I love the X Men, but I've never known the X Men to be like challenging like that. And, yeah, and this show is, and so I man, I applaud everybody working on it. It's amazing. Huh? That's awesome. So, um, well, one thing that's that's new to my life too, and I know I talked about this before the break, was that I have cable now. So I've had cable for like three months now. And uh, one of the things that's enabled me to do is watch Lucha Underground. Yes, it's fixed, which we fixed also to be on Netflix. Which we also found out it's going to come to Netflix, so I can watch the first two seasons. But I've been trying to keep up as much as possible with between all the different WWE stuff, 
Lucha Underground and trying to even watch a little bit of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so much wrestling to watch every week that I barely get around to any of it. Like it is, it's very daunting. And so I've pretty much had to say, look, especially with having a DVR, if I'm not really into what's going on with you and your wrestling, um, I, uh, I'm fast forwarding yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> and Lucha Underground. I love that the storyline and stuff is fun, but what I really love is the in the ring stuff. So I've been fast forwarding a lot of the drama and just going straight to the matches and the matches are incredible. Mm-hmm. I love watching them. Um, I found that, uh, watching raw and SmackDown for the past couple months, it's going to sound terrible because I love the cruiserweights and what they're doing but I don't watch the cruiserweight matches on Raw or SmackDown because they only give them like ten minutes or less. Oh, they give them like three and, minutes. I think like and, this, yeah, like, this past five mo- minutes. Past Monday night, the two matches that they had were six minutes altogether. Yeah, like it's 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 a waste of my time to watch those matches. They don't give them any time to actually do anything. So I would much rather just watch two hundred five live or NXT yeah. and you know and and see the good long matches that they're putting on, the amazing matches that they're putting on. I get that they're just using that time on Raw and SmackDown as promo, but at the same time, I feel like they're wasting an opportunity because they've got some really amazing wrestlers that they're not showcasing on their on their main stage. Agreed. Very and, much agreed. And I, you know, but I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, I feel, it almost feels like I'm betraying them in a way of being like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm, I'm, I don't have time. I just want to know what happens at the end. You know, like, if, you know, if Naomi comes out, I'm fast-forwarding. Like that's just all there is to it. Like for the most part, if any of the girls come out, I'm going to fast forward except for the matches. Mm. Cause I don't care about the drama. I just, I'll watch you wrestle, but you know, I don't have time for all the talking. Yeah. Like I, I just got to move on. I tend to be the same way, but I've got to give Alexa bliss some props this past SmackDown this week. She came out and cut a promo on Naomi and it was top notch. I admit was, she has come along. It, it was great. It was like, Back when AJ Lee was there, cutting great promos. Yeah, that's how that was the level it was. At. Yeah, she is. She's cool. Well, I gotta say, since we're on wrestling, you know, I think like I've said it a couple times in our last uh, volume, and I said it like on our last episode too, which was a big hit for us, by the way. I have to say that was our biggest, yeah. biggest downloaded and played episode. So thank you, everybody. Um, yeah, I said 2016 was probably one of the greatest years of wrestling I've ever seen. And 2017 is coming along, too, now. Because, I mean, it opened up with the January 4th Tokyo Dome show from New Japan. The January 4th show every year is like their WrestleMania show. And it was just, the matches I've gotten to see so far were amazing. And then it was capped off by uh, Kazuchika Okada defending his title against Kenny Omega, who's a Canadian wrestler. Yeah. And I, I kept I kept texting you saying, you've got to see this match. You have to see it. Everybody is losing their minds over this match. It was a 50-minute match. And, I mean, you watch the first 30 minutes, and it's like, well, this is a really great match. You know, they were putting together some cool spots and everything. You get in that last, like, 15 minutes or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord, it goes to a whole other level you've never seen before. It yeah. was just fantastic. People were, like, declaring, people were declaring it the greatest match of all time. I wouldn't, I don't wouldn't say that, but it was, I mean, it reminded me of the WrestleMania match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25, where it was just like, where did this amazing match come from? Yeah. It was that good. And well, and the crazy thing was like, everybody who has a podcast that talks about wrestling at all was talking about it. Yeah. 
like Stone Cold talked about it. I think Seth Rollins and and Jericho were on Jericho's podcast talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you told me to watch it, and I was like, okay, I'll get around to it. And then once I didn't listen to any of those podcasts before I watched it, I just saw like I I hit I looked it up on YouTube, and there were all these people who had taken the video stream or the video of that match, and they had overlaid like. Stone Cold or Jericho and Rollins or other people talking about the match like they were doing a commentary. Oh, cool. And so I saw how many people had done that and how many different podcasts and other people had talked about it. Like even, um, oh, I forgot his name, uh, not Jerry Lawler, um, former announcer. JR. For WWE. JR mm-hmm. had even done one. And I was just like, okay, I got to see this match. You know, so that's when I sat down and, and one night it was like, 11:30 at night my wife was going to bed and she's like you coming to bed i was like no i have got to see this match mm-hmm. and i went and looked up on youtube and stayed up and watched it and i mean yeah it was incredible All, like, every wrestler was tweeting about it the next day yeah. and it was you know kenny omega all of a sudden became a huge name star you know yeah based on that and so everybody's like what's he going to do next what's he going to do next and i mean there was a time period where it looked like he might have signed with wwe but um he ended up staying with new japan so uh, mm. and we've had the UK tournament, which was so much fun. It was two days and, uh, a 19 year old ended up winning the championship and just a, he's 19, 19, Tyler Bate, 19. I did not know he was 19. Yeah. And he went up against the, the finals was Tyler Bate versus this guy named Pete Dunn, the bruiser weight. And when you look at this guy, he's just like, like man, he's just an ugly little troll. But he's so mean. Yeah. He is so mean. I love watching him because he is like just, oh my gosh, he's such a jerk and a bully. Reminds rem, reminds me of Benoit. Yes. Oh, man. It's so much fun watching him be a bad guy. Um, yeah. But we had, oh my gosh, we had the Royal Rumble, which had AJ versus Cena. And um, Kevin Owens versus Reigns was actually a great match. I haven't enjoyed their feud. Much as I love Owens, I did not enjoy their feud, but that match was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Um. Gosh, what else have we had? I mean, I can't even keep up. There's been so much stuff lately. 205 Live has gotten, has, especially since Neville got the title, or ne- since Neville's been back, that's gotten a lot I better. I love Neville's new persona. Yes, he is wonderful. Like, it's crazy because Seamus goes away and comes back as a bad guy, and I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah. I don't, I'm not crazy about it. I don't mind the hair and stuff. I like the hair. I miss him being like, I want him to be funny. I just want him to be like the fun guy. I really, I think he does that very well. And for me, him as a bully, it was really funny when he got tongue tied the other night talking to, uh, um, talking to Enzo and Cass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he was like, I can't even get the words out of my mouth. I'm so angry. Um, that was a terrible accent, but whatever. I, I missed that. But Neville, he was just like, his character before was just this kind of, lighthearted superhero type. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of the hurricane in a way. And then he comes back as this like snarling, just, I don't know. He looks like he's going to, he looks like he needs to come out in Viking gear. Yeah. He's angry. You know, like and intense he, he's and just, yeah. And I'm just like, I really liked you before, but I love you mm-hmm. like this. Like, I don't know what it is. I love him being this little ball of just, pure anger yeah <laughs> like and what like it's, it fits he's the kind of heel i love because he backs up what he says he's like i'm going to just like destroy y'all and then he does you know he's won oh. like every match since he's been back pretty much and he's got the cruiserweight belt and, you know he, he's like i'm the king of the cruiserweights well he proved it you know 
Yeah, that's, absolutely. I love that kind of a bad guy. And so, and I, I guess, I don't know, should I bring it up or not? I don't know if I want to talk about it. I feel like I bring it up too much and I harp on it. What's that? If, you, if you're going to be a heel, mm. why would you want to be the Miz? <laughs> Man, you don't like the why, Miz. And I, lo- I, I love hate the Miz. him. I, was, I hate him so much. That it, it, I, was wanting him to, I was wanting him to win the Elimination Chamber. I knew Bray was going to oh. win, but I was like, man, I really want Miz to win that. Like, if you were going to be a heel, why do you want to be the coward heel? Like, that's that's the heel that I just, I don't hate him because I'm supposed to hate him. I hate him because I wish the character wasn't there. Mm. Like, I, and I know that it, it, it somehow brings balance or something. Like, because you got to have the guys like Neville that back everything up. And then you got to have the guys like Miz that are all talk mm. and don't back anything up. And I get that, but I hate it. Like, it just, it bugs me. <laughs> To no end, and, and he's so great at it too. He is like, it just, like the, the, the little when he hides behind the little promos, like the little promos he did with Ice Cube mm. and the guy from that the the teacher fight movie or fight. Oh yeah, Charlie Day. Yeah, those little promos he did with them for Raw. Like on one hand, I was like that was kind of clever. On the other hand, I was going, I hate this so much. <laughs> like I don't know what it is. Like I can't. I don't want, I don't, it feels like a personal vendetta and I don't want it to, but I can't help it. It comes from an honest place of me just going, oh, I just don't like this. I don't like this character. At the Royal Rumble, but, everybody was hoping that um, before he comes out, like that Bri- Daniel Bryan's music would hit because of, you know, the the relationship with the fans and Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble the past few years has been really like intense, you know? And so everybody was hoping that Miz would come out to his music and really tick the fans off. Like I was like, my gosh, the heat would have been nuclear on that. If he would have done that, they should have done that. That would have been brilliant because he's been doing, you know, he's been doing all of uh, Brian's moves in the ring and making fun of him. Like, well, you can't wrestle anymore because you just won't and all this stuff, you know, knowing that Brian just can't. Yeah. It's like, Oh man, that should have happened. That would have been just so bad. Such a heel. I guess move. it would have been. But uh yeah, no, I I love Miz. I can't help it. He's great. I know mm-hmm. you can't stand him, but uh Bray Wyatt, world champion now. Which That's great. I love the fact that if you did you watch SmackDown this week? Yeah. I love the fact that they were chanting you deserve it to Bray. Yeah. Because Bray is such a you know, he's he's that he's the Undertaker type character. He's the dark, you know, brooding character. But at the end of the day, he's still just another wrestler, mm-hmm. and and the fact that they that they were treating him like that and that they feel that way about him because you know he's not my favorite character by any means, but I like him and I enjoy him. Sometimes I wish he didn't talk quite so much, um, but I, he's so good at it. I, I get why they let him, mm-hmm. and the fact that they were treating him that way and telling him you deserve it. Like I know. On the outside, he's he's being that character, but I feel like on the inside, there's like a, a little boy version of him going, "Thank you so much. You love me. Yeah. You really love me." You know, like he's that's got to feel he's good. Gotten further than anybody in his big wrestling family, you know. He's yeah. Mike Rotunda was his dad. You know, um, gosh, I mean, mm-hmm. they, I can't even count. Like he's got so many different connections in the wrestling business, but he's probably achieved more than anybody has in his family. And so, Man. um, it's such a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was really down on – I really felt like it was going to be they just gave him the belt so that he could then lose it to Randy Orton at WrestleMania, and I was really against that idea. 
But then at the end of SmackDown, Randy Orton comes out and says, I, I'm not going to do the match. I'm not going to go against you. And I was like, wait a minute. This is taking a cool twist here. What's going on? And then at Talking Smack, they announced this SmackDown this coming week is going to be a battle royal to decide the number one contender. Well, Luke Harper has been a thorn in their side lately, the former Wyatt family member. And so I'm I'm hoping the direction they're going is Harper wins the battle royal. Orton says, well, I've got to be in the match to protect my master. And so it's a three-way with those three. I'm I'm Whoa. more into that because I want Harper. Harper is amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I really wish he had been getting the Baron Corbin push because Corbin has been good in hits and misses, but he hasn't been consistent. Harper has been consistent, yeah. and he has been, been deserving that push. So if he gets his a world title match at WrestleMania, then you know that he's good, you know that you know that they're behind him. So I hope that's the direction they go because I'm more intrigued by that than just Orton versus Wyatt. That's very I, true. That tells a much better story. What happened to Eric Rowan? He's just been hurt. He's, he he's probably going to be back soon, so I might I figure okay. he might. I was hoping he didn't get let go. He might figure into this. So, um, hmm. Balor is supposed to be back, and man, like there's a rumored. It's rumored that AJ and Shane are supposed to be wrestling at WrestleMania, and I don't want that. And I'm hoping they they stop that. I don't want Shane to wrestle. I don't want to see him. And I'm hoping they go, wait a minute, Balor's coming back. Why don't we let him and AJ go and just, just destroy the show with how awesome it's going to be instead of ruining a perfectly good time for a match and putting Shane McMahon in it. That's so disappointing. I, I really I don't even have anything to say. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got AJ Styles in the WWE. It's his second WrestleMania. Give him, give him a huge match. Yeah. Like how how long of a career? I mean, how old is he? Probably he's got to be at least he 40. is thirty. He's either thirty seven or thirty eight. He's been wrestling. Okay, since so he's like ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah, how long of a career is he really going to have in the WWE? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing he could. I mean, look at Ric Flair. I mean, I guess he could go look, a really long Jer- time. Look at Jericho. I mean, it's or Jericho. Yeah. I, I guess so, but you know, you don't want to bank on that. No, because you never know. Look at Daniel Bryan. Yeah, like. He, Jane you never know when it could be over. He's, don't be waste, prime. don't waste a WrestleMania opportunity with a match against Shane McMahon. I mean, that that was a, do that do that at another pay per view. That <laughs> was what was so I was so furious about last year with Shane and Undertaker. If Undertaker yeah. is good enough to wrestle a WrestleMania match, he needs to be against a wrestler you can bank on the future. He needs to be yes. against Reigns or Owens or whoever. I don't care. But don't waste it on a middle-aged man who was never a wrestler, and when he was in the ring, only did crazy spots. You know, yeah. Like don't, and that was a huge waste of a a rare a rare Undertaker match. AJ's the same. Uh, and Justin and Justin and I were talking about this the other day that you know more than likely, I mean, eventually there there's going to be a WrestleMania where they're going to have to say, okay, this is this is Taker's last mania. Yeah. Like it's got to, and it's it's got to be getting close. I mean, but I guess I thought that five years ago too. Yeah. But I mean, eventually he's going to have to have surgery on his hip, from what I understand. Yeah, full replacement. And it's yeah, and so he's basically putting that off until he's done. Mm-hmm. And so don't don't waste those opportunities if he can still get in the ring, even just a little bit. So, man, I like Shane. I just don't care to see him wrestle. No, I don't either. It's it's you know nothing against him. The best match he ever had was that street fight at King of the Ring with Kurt Angle, and the reason that was yeah. so remembered is because Kurt 
slung Shane through glass panes, and when he couldn't, you know, Shane just collapsed on his head. I mean, it was just violent, 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 and shockingly violent for a wrestling match, but it really, yeah. it really wasn't that good of a match, to be honest. It was just the spots. Well, I mean, it's because of the spectacle, yeah. which same thing with last year with him jumping off the cage. That's what everybody's wanting. was like, why do we have to put be put through 25 minutes just to see that he could have done that from the beginning and that been it yeah you know? like let him jump off the like put a mattress down there let him jump off the cage and let's move on yeah. he really wants to yeah. do that so bad but um uh, mm. so moving on i did finally get to see dr strange last weekend oh yeah and man it was it was great it was so so much fun yeah i mean marvel girl was taking a nap with a uh, little hulk and I start. I'm like, well, this is a perfect time for me to watch it. So I cut it on, and like a couple minutes into it, she wakes up, and I'm like, oh, she ain't gonna want to watch this, you know. But she likes Sherlock Holmes, the Sherlock show, and she woke. Yeah. She woke up and just was like, what is this? I said, it's Doctor Strange. She's like, oh, she didn't say nothing. So I kept watching. By the end, she's like, oh, that was good. So I was like, huh. yeah. But uh, we watched Hidden Figures too about the, um, yeah. the three African American women who were like really important to nasa and getting us to the moon and everything and that's like up for several oscars and it was so good kevin costner was in it i didn't even know he was in it you know he, like all yeah. the focus was on the three main stars and right. such a good movie so really good hmm. um did you see rogue one no did not get to see that oh you haven't seen so it i haven't seen that well, did you? You didn't. So you still haven't read what I no, put on I the blog about it? No, I still haven't. Yeah, because whenever I go on there to check on something, like I'm like, ah, oh, no, get past that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then I won't go into detail about it. Um, you know, and I I didn't hate the movie by any means. It was a good movie, and a lot of people loved it. Apparently, yeah. I was just kind of like, meh. And here's why. And this doesn't give anything away about the plot or or anything. Any spoilers? What I wanted to see was Ocean's Eleven in space. Mm-hmm. That's what I expected, because I was like, you have this opportunity to tell a story outside of the main, like, Luke and, you know, and Anakin Skywalker storyline. You know, you have this opportunity to tell a story that's completely new and different in the Star Wars universe. And so I wanted to see a heist movie in in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and that's that what I thought. It was. I thought it was going to be that girl, the main character, like putting together a team, like almost like a Fast and Furious movie in a way, yeah. at least the last three or four, like put together a team of experts and you sneak into the Death Star and find a way to steal these plans. And that's not what it was at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was really very similar to many of the other Star Wars movies in my opinion. And so just in my opinion, it didn't really do anything new. And that's why I was disappointed. I was just like, really? Like I, I wanted something different. I wanted something because I felt like that was a golden opportunity to really push the envelope Mm. and do something that the star Wars universe hadn't done yet. And so it was a good movie. And in the end was really cool. Um, but I just kind of felt like it was nothing new. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, like, but it was at least with like the Marvel movies, they try to do something a little different. Like with the doctor strange was just crazy visually. So I'm hoping eventually they get that way with star Wars. I mean, because Ant-Man was kind of that way. Yeah. Like, Ant-Man was a heist movie at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of go, man, that was it was a superhero film, but it was a heist movie at the same time. And, you know, just like uh, Captain America, um, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, pl- like, like a political threat. That was like, 
Yeah, it was it was a conspiracy thriller as much as it was a superhero yeah. movie. So that's kind of what I wanted was I wanted it to be a Star Wars movie but feel like a heist movie or something. And and, and so maybe maybe I was disappointed because of my expectations. And a lot of times I try to go into movies with no expectations, but you know you can't always do no, that. No. And so that's just what I was hoping for, and that's not what they delivered. But by no means. You know, it's not like I would give it two stars or anything. Like, I still think it was a really good movie, and it's perfectly fine to add to that. It's better than any of the prequels, <laughs> for sure. But uh, it just, um, I, I was, I just wanted. I'm more. hoping for a lot from the Han Solo movie because I mean, I love who they got for Lando Calrissian, Donald Glover. Oh yeah, Gosh. Donald Glover's gonna be great. When they, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, they, they must have this movie nailed then because that's perfect casting there. And the, and the, and the Queen Mother of Dragons is gonna be the love interest for Han in that movie. That's gonna be fun. Khaleesi. Yeah, really, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow, that's a good, good pick there. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's talk about it's kind, kind of reminds me of that guy from the Matrix that was also Lord in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Whatever he's, what Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving yeah, name, I v for Vendetta, and <laughs> like, Red Skull. Is, yeah, it's like you just you pick two really good franchises to be in because you are a millionaire now, yeah. and so she's kind of the same way. Like she's now in Game of Thrones, Star Wars, and uh, she was also in Terminator, yeah. the last one, and uh, she's just been on a lot of her and like in Laura is it Laura Heedy that's in Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. Like and she was in Three Hundred. She was in the mm-hmm. Terminator. Um, TV series, she was in that Judge Dredd movie, the most recent oh, one. Like she's movie. in everything. She's she also got like, signed on uh, The Rock and WWE are producing um, a movie based on you know pa- Paige. Oh, based on Paige, I saw and, that. Uh, he, uh, what is her name? I've got to find this. Lena Heedy. Lena Heedy yeah, is playing it. her mother, who was also her mother. Paige's mother was a famous wrestler in, in England, and she's play she's yeah. playing her mother. Um, that's crazy yeah. like I, I saw that headline on comicbook.com and I just went what and then I read it and went oh wow like this is something that there was already a documentary mm-hmm. and and it's something that's kind of been in the works for a long time I was like why of all people why Paige and then I didn't know her a great, yeah. I didn't know her family history at there's all there's a so. great backstory I wish she'd get her head on straight and quit fooling around with Alberto Del Rio because he's ruining her career but you know, she's got a great backstory, and she's really the reason, one of the main reasons that NXT started pushing the women so hard and having, making that such a good thing. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. I don't, I don't, I guess I'll ask later because I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, she hasn't been on WWE in a while. Part of it's been injury. Yeah. Part of it's been suspension. Uh, her and Alberto Del Rio started hooking up, and, you know, she's like, she's really young, and he's like in his early 40s. Well, he and he, he was still married. Um, Oh snap! Yeah, like the, he and his wife were estranged, but they got engaged before he was even divorced. And so, what? like, he's been you know once he left WWE, he's been all over, and he's been like no showing shows. He's been getting in fights backstage with people. He's been like really kind of falling off the deep end. Well, he's dragging Paige down with her because Paige is on this whirlwind young love kind of thing going on, and it's like, man, you are. You know, she got suspended for drugs during this time, right at the same time that he did, and then of course he left. And so it's like, Paige, you need to chill because you got an amazing yeah. career ahead of you, but you letting that fool drag you down. Wow, so that's I'm crazy. hoping this. That's disappointing. I'm hoping this movie kind of like, like you know, you're you you're expected to have greatness, so you need to kind of get there. Yeah, so, but uh, I want to talk about music a little okay. bit. Um, I have to push this album. Because it's incredible. 
Uh, there's a artist by the name of David Crowder. He's been along for around for a long time now. I guess pushing 20 years at this point. Um, he for a long time he was in David Crowder band, which you know that was one of the biggest bands in Christian music for about a decade. And they split up a number of years back. The band that he used to play with, they now they now call themselves the Digital Age, and they're also really good and making some cool music. But ever since they split up, Crowder's been kind of making this indescribable music, like. It's, I don't under, oh, it's like, it's not, it's very country inspired, like not country, like modern country, but like classic country. Um, he, uh, he plays a Hank Williams Jr. song all the time. I saw the light plays it all the time. Um, so very bluegrass and country inspired, but he infuses these rock and even techno elements into it. And it's just one of the most unique sounds I've ever heard in my life. And, uh, he just released a new album. Uh, late last year, and it's called American Prodigal. And this album, from start to finish, is one of the most just unique and incredible albums I've ever heard. Um, I have to push it because it's so stinking good. Um, It ranges from songs that sound like really like gut-busting country rock, and then there are songs on there that sound like a a, classic blues melody, uh, uh, ballad. And so it's so, so stinking good. I was actually at a conference in January called Passion Conference, and he was one of the artists featured there, and he performed. And at the end of his uh, of his performance, Carrie Underwood came out and sang with him. Really? And it was this huge deal. And in a way, I was like, okay, I, I hate to insult Christian music by saying this, but to have Carrie Underwood come out and perform with David Crowder in a way, Carrie Underwood just straight up legitimized country, Christian music in a way yeah. of saying, because, because I honestly believe, you know, Christian music in the nineties and the late eighties was just like a joke compared to what was popular at the time. in in a lot of, in a lot of senses, and there's some, obviously there was artists that were doing great things like Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith. But, you know, nowadays I honestly think that some of the most talented musicians in the world are Christian musicians. Um, Lecrae, the rapper being one of them and David Crowder being another, like they, his album is just awesome. And so if anybody wants to check that out, I highly recommend it. I just, I just um, looked him know, up. Go, Apparently he's playing in Memphis this weekend at the winter jam, 2017. Oh yeah. Not, yeah. Not I saw him at winter jam a few weeks weekend. ago here. Um, but speaking of going to see shows, I also wanted to say, I found out a few months ago that. Jimmy world is coming to Pensacola, which is about a 45 minute drive for me. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to see Jimmy at world next Tuesday night. Next Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. And it's at a, um, it's at a club called vinyl music hall in Pensacola. And, uh, I think the place maxes out at about 200 people. So I'm ecstatic to see them in such a small venue. Um, the last time I saw them was at the house of blues in new Orleans. And that was about, that was on the futures tour. So that was like oh, 10 was years ago ago. And it was, yeah. And that was a pretty big, that was a pretty small venue too, but bigger than this. Um, this is the, the vinyl music hall is also where I saw May last year. So I'm familiar with the venue and everything. And I know it's a very intimate venue. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm ecstatic about the fact that 
uh, that I'm going to be in that small room with them and get to hear them. I've tried to get some friends to go with me and nobody wanted to buy a ticket and come with me. I'm like, all right, I'm just going well, along. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go. Cause I can't, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun for me just to be able to go. Last time I went and saw May, I actually made a friend and ended up hanging out uh, with this person most of the time, you know, waiting for the concert to start. Yeah. Um, I started listening to them after we had that, um, our podcast on the albums we like. I started listening to some yeah. of them. I, I really like them. Yeah, their new their new record is so good. Um, you read any good comics? I have read some excellent comics. What you read? Um, I I just want to mention one quickly that I I, I learned a fact about Hellboy that I didn't know through a podcast mm. because somebody mentioned the name. There was a name in this movie they were talking about where the the name of this woman character in the movie was the same name as Hellboy's mom. And I didn't even know that we knew who Hellboy's mom was. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's a witch. I forget her name. Um, and then his father's name is Azazel. And I didn't know that. So I'm hey, still working my way that's through. That's Nightcrawler's dad, too. But we don't talk about that because that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which is, I, did, I did make that connection as well. I was like, that's kind of weird. Mm. Um, I don't like to acknowledge that. Which I read the... Uh, I downloaded and read some X-Men comics where where Nightcrawler was dead. He's he was dead he for was, a little while, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was going to come back and Azazel was trying to his father Azazel was trying to invade heaven oh, and yeah. Nightcrawler was going to stop him and I was that like That was Ed McGinnis. I Yeah. Yeah. I was like I hate this. <laughs> I hate this so that's, much. That's, I love Jason Nightcrawler. Jason Aaron but, wrote that when I heard he was writing it and bringing Nightcrawler back. It's like, this is going to be amazing because Jason Aaron's one of my favorite, favorite writers. And I was like, this is just not that fun. Usually he writes really fun uh, X-Men, and that was not a fun X-Men to me. It just wasn't that Yeah, great. so basically, like, Nightcrawler somehow brings the X-Men into heaven, and then they're helping him fight Azazel. And I'm like, and he, oh, and he geez, comes back to Earth, no. but he doesn't have his soul. I'm like, this that's stupid. Jason, stop yeah. that. Like it, made, it made sense in Buffy. You can't do it in the X-Men. Um, anyway, so I read a Hellboy comic. I just started, I getting, I'm getting back into it. I, I haven't read every Hellboy comic ever. I'm still working through them. Um, and the thing is, it's hard to read them in any kind of order because they don't really go in mm. order as far as how they were released, you know, different things. And there's a new series, the series right now that they're doing is Hellboy and the BPRD and they're doing different years. Mm. And uh, man, those are excellent. They're so much fun. But I read one called The Crooked Man, and it was drawn by. Uh, oh no, Rich, I forgot is his it name. Richard Corbin. Richard I actually Corbin. have that. Yeah, I've read that before. Like I found that in a back issue. That was band. one of the creepiest comics I've ever yeah. read. And like, there's a scene that I can't get out of my head where they find the the skin of a woman lying in her bed, yeah. and then a a raccoon, I think, comes in the window crawls into the skin's mouth and then she come she basically comes back into her skin uh and i and it's just not like i saw this in a movie but in my head it all happened and i was just going oh this is disgusting like this is the creepiest thing and just overall like the crooked man the way he looked when he appeared man his that image is in my head anyway i just wanted to mention that because it was so stinking good um i've read a book called Pastaways. Yeah, yeah, you you text and me about I'm trying that. to remember. I'm trying. I can't remember the art. The it's, I wrote. Down I think all it's this Matt stuff, Kent is the writer. Is that how you say it? He he spells his yeah, name weird. It's one of those comic names. You're like, is this how you pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kent, uh, Matt Kent, uh, art and cover by Scott Collins. Oh. Um, it very very much reminds me of um, Frank Quitely's mm-hmm. art 
in a way, um, just because of the detail in it. Um, but man, it's such an, I've only read the first four. I bought all nine issues because basically dark horse did a sale where everything that Matt Kent had written that they had was on sale for a dollar an issue. Mm. So I was like, I read the first two issues and I said, all right, I'm just going to read the whole thing. Even if I hate it, I'm going to buy it so I can read it. So I bought all nine issues of the miniseries, and, and, uh, so I'm only on, I've only finished issue four, but man, it's, it is really trippy. Like it's really good. And it, it kind of, the fun thing about it is the team dynamic, because basically what you have is these time travelers who were from the future, but they're stuck in our time. They came back to our time trying to prevent something happening in the future. And we don't know what that was yet, mm. or I don't. Um, but the thing is, they got stranded in our time, and then they split up. So, like, they're basically, they split up, and they're just living their lives you know, doing whatever they do. Some of them are kind of being somewhat heroic. Some of them are just being, there's one woman who is suicidal and she keeps tr- com- trying to commit suicide and she cannot be successful. Like it is. So she's depressed. She just wants to die. She hates being in this time, but she can't manage to kill herself. Like it's really weird. And I think, and the thing is, cause the time stream won't let her die because she's necessary. So mm-hmm. like, it's really like, it's really, really trippy. And, and like I said, we talked about time travel before yeah. and I don't always love time travel, but I love it. I love this. Like it's really interesting. Um, and the thing is, it's not just the time travel that makes it cool. It's the, it's the team dynamics that are really cool that you have this drama going on between them. where like the two leaders of the, of the team don't like each other. And so the whole team has to follow them, but they also have to deal with the fact that they're constantly bickering. Mm. And so you just so you just have this weird team dynamic, and uh, it's so it's really fun, really interesting. Another one I read that we talked about was I think I, I gave you the wrong title. I said immovable. I don't know where I got that from, um, but irredeemable. Yeah, yeah, irredeemable. Mark Mark uh, Wade, Mark Wade, and oh my goodness, like Game of Thrones level upsetting with the things that he this does. Was like he's like a in this is book. the Plutonian. Is that his? He, yeah, he's called the Plutonian, like and basically it's it's a playoff Superman. Like he he has a secret identity. He's a reporter. He has a human girlfriend. Um, and basically, have you not read? I've it? read the first like ten issues or something like that. I haven't gotten to finish okay, it. So like, so I mean, so basically, what happens is it's a scenario of saying, what if Clark Kent revealed himself to Lois Lane? But she wasn't okay with it. Because mm. basically what happened is, it, imagine that the Plutonian was Clark Kent, was Superman. Superman reveals himself to Lois, and Lois is like, you jerk. You've been lying to me all this time. And she runs into the newsroom and goes, hey, everybody, Clark Kent is Superman. <laughs> and Superman's just like, no, hey, wait, stop. You're not uh, you know. And people start freaking out, and they put it on the news. And everybody finds out who he is, and the whole world turns mm. on it. And then so he just goes, okay, fine. I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> and so he just turns into the worst villain yeah. ever. And so the, you know, I'm, la- what, I'm what laughing, but it's is, dark. It is really dark. Oh, it is dark. Like it is one of the darkest nihilistic. things because he is, he was the most powerful element of the, you know, of what is in this book equivalent to the justice league. But now the justice League's going, Oh, okay. How do we kill Superman? <laughs> like we can't. You know, like, how do we find him? And he and the craziest thing is he can hear them all the time. He can see them. He knows where they live. He knows their identities. He knows, like, 
he knows where their headquarters and all that is, but they can't track him. They can't find him and they essentially can't stop him. And Oh wow. Like, what was this like five years old yeah, or so? Yeah. Like it's, uh, and it had a, I, I didn't realize when I started reading it, that it was as old as it and was. It had a spinoff and I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a word that starts with I like irredeemable. And it's about like a villain okay. who is like, okay, he was like the ultimate villain. He's like, okay, well now I need to start being good because it's just isn't right. And oh, it was, wow. <laughs> I read a little bit of that and it's really good too. Um, well, I, th- I think I'm on, like I've, I've downloaded it in two volumes. So it's two collected volumes and I'm, I'm like one third of the way through the second volume. So I'm probably somewhere around issue 10 or 11, maybe even eight or nine, but uh, I think it's eight issues a piece to these two volumes. So I can't remember. Um, but man, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm oh, sorry. You got more? I do have one more, but you can mention one, and I can come no, back. No, you go to ahead because I'm on. I got a spiel. Okay. Um, another the other my favorite book that I've read recently. I've only been able to read the first four issues because those are the only ones available on uh on Comicsology. Um, but it's called The Beauty. Yeah. And it's really hard to say. Make sure you're not saying the booty. Um, but the beauty, beauty. and I, you know, I typically don't like. I like superhero comics and and fantasy and horror and sci-fi. If I, I'm not going to read a comic typically if it's like a crime drama. So this book didn't catch my eye except catch my interest except the title. I was like, why is it called the beauty? So I read the description. The beauty is about was this exists in a world where there is a new and widespread sexually transmitted disease, and this sexually transmitted disease is only. Side effects are only not side effects. That's not the word. Uh, symptoms are that people who contract this STD get more beautiful. Mm. Like it makes them attractive. If you're fat, you get thin. If you if you if your face if your face is ugly, you get pretty. Like your skin clears up and your it's hair like model looks silky smooth. And yeah, like like supermodel beautiful, like Brad Pitt mm. beautiful. And okay, so everybody's so the thing is people want it there are people in the world who are like i want the beauty i want to get an std so they're purposefully promiscuous so that they can get this std and get beautiful well then in the first issue of course she's got there's got to be a negative then there's this girl who has the std who's on a subway train and her head randomly explodes (laughs) uh she basically internally combusts and so there's these detectives who are investigating Okay, so it starts happening all over the city, all over the world. People who have this STD, they're just randomly blowing up. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, of course, there's conspiracies. Like, is it a, did the government create this? Like, where did it come from? How do we stop it? Is there a cure? All that. And it is, it is absolutely engrossing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the first issue, I was like, I have to read more. Um, it's very adult. It's very, like... Um, uh, you know, it's obviously a, a deep topic, but it's you know a lot of a lot of swearing and stuff in it. But man, I felt like I read I read the I, first issue. Somebody had it like free online as a you know uh, to get people interested. I read the first issue and I felt like this would be a wonderful HBO show. Oh, it would. It would totally would. Like it feels like True Detective, but with a sci-fi element yeah. to it. You know, like it's man. It is so. It is so interesting. I want to. I, I want to catch it. back up on that one. After that first issue, I was like, "Whoa, I've got to read this." Just hadn't got into it. But uh, speaking yeah. of crime dramas and dark horse, um, is a 
comic that just came out called Dead Inside. And it's, yeah, it's by that. John Arkady, who is the creator of The Mask. And he also he also yeah. created Major Bummer, which is one of my favorite 90s DC series when they were putting out, like, new series of new characters all the time, you know? Oh, God, I love, yeah. like, mid-90s DC. They had so much cool stuff. But anyway, uh, the, the artist is Tony Fazula. Like, man, it like it's F-E-J-Z-U-L-A, forget it. <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's real stylish, but it's a crime drama about this woman detective who is a detective for jail crime. So she finds out, like, she's she's told that there's two dead bodies in this minimum security jail. She has to go and, you know, investigate. And, of course, since this is just convicts, nobody wants to help her because they're like, so what? They're just convicts. And these aren't, like, mass murderers or rapists or anything. These are just, like, this is minimum security. They're in there for, like, petty drug stuff or breaking and entering or whatever. But the people, yeah. like, the warden's like, I'm not going to help you. And she's like, well, fine, then I'll have to get a court order and we're going to do this and that. And, you know, all your guards are going to have to give me their weapons so we can search them and blah, blah, blah. But it's just really interesting because there's a it's like a great detective story where it starts small and then you find out there's a bigger conspiracy involved. And but it's hmm. the it's interesting because of where it's set. Why would anybody be interested in even trying to solve a murder in jail? Who cares? Or convicts? I mean, that's kind of the point. But there, it's about the morality of doing that. That they still need to be investigated. These are still human beings. And huh. so it's just, it, there are just a couple issues in, but man, it's so intriguing. And this is another one I'd be like, this that's, would be a great TV show too. Yeah. Dead Inside is such a, that's a cool title for that. Yeah. One. When I first saw it, I'm like, what is that? And I read like the little blurb at the top. I think it was like Warren Ellis or somebody gave it a good review. And what he said, I was like, whoa, that, that grabs me right there. I want that. Yeah. Um, huh. Uh, from DC, I have to say like when, when Batman came out, got restarted with Jeff King as the writer, I wasn't impressed. And, you know, Jeff King wrote The Vision, which was the greatest comic book last year. And it's probably one of the greatest yeah. things Marvel's ever done. So amazing, that comic book. So when he was on Batman, I was like, whoa, this is going to be amazing. And at first, I was like, nah, I'm not too into this. Uh, they just completed a storyline called I Am Suicide. And it was Batman teaming up with the Suicide Squad to basically invade Bane's island that he controls and take down Bane. And it, it's just wow. a really, like, it, it's a very Jeff King comic. The plot is just is crazy, and it's all over the place, and he'll go back, and he'll go forward, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, like, in right in the middle of this great storyline was a one issue where Batman is just fighting his way through this island, okay? And, I mean, it's like splash page after splash page of him just, you know, just beating them this army and just taking them down. And it's the, the art is beautiful. It's amazing. But as it's going, he's having this conversation with someone. I think it's Catwoman. Um, and he's, he's just talking about himself and about the things he felt as, like, an adolescent after his parents died, which... If you ever see Batman and you're a Batman fan, at some point you're going to get sick of hearing his origin story. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, is here it is again. But it got to this point where he he made this comment that after his parents died and he had gone through a couple years dealing with it, he just decided he couldn't deal with it anymore, and he tried to commit suicide. And it was a twist on the Batman origin that's never been put out there before. And it was, I mean, it gave you chills when you read it because you're like, whoa, that, that just made Batman human, you know? 
and hmm. it was I, I thought it was a great addition to it it was handled very well and so all of a sudden jeff king's batman story if you i mean you can go back and kind of read everything and you see how it's all put together because it's, it's been great now um so i i think it's wow. it's something else man he's done a great job um marvel's put out some stuff okay this is what i want to talk about with marvel i want you to imagine right now let's say ireland developed a chemical a gas they made a cloud of it that would float around the earth and anybody with any Irish blood, if they breathed in the gas would automatically become like, like beauty. Like all of a sudden they would become beautiful and strong and healthy. But this gas, if anybody from Scotland breathed it in, it'd kill them. Okay. So imagine this. And so Scotland's like, well, this ain't cool. Tell you what, Ireland, we're going to go hide underground for a little while. Y'all figure out how to solve this problem. You can keep your cloud. We're fine with that. But we're going to go hide out for a while. Y'all need to fix this problem so that we can continue living on Earth. And then Ireland, Ireland's <laughs> like, sure, guys, we'll get right on that. And then they don't. So Scotland comes out and is like, what, what's going on? Y'all didn't do it? Fine. We're going to go destroy your cloud, and we're going to take over Ireland. And then, and then Ireland's like, wait, why would you do that? Okay, who's the bad guy here? Scotland's just trying to survive while Ireland's just trying to get become better, like become stronger and more pretty. Who's the bad guy to you? I see I see where you're going here. Um I would say Ireland is okay. the bad guy at this by at this far point. margin because they're actively killing a race or a nation of people while they're just trying to live it up in the high life. Right, yeah. so Marvel releases this comic book called Inhumans versus X Men. That is that the Inhumans have these clouds that are circling the Earth, making more Inhumans, but it's killing the mutants. The mutants go into limbo, literally a hell dimension, and like y'all figure it out, Inhumans. We trust y'all. We're going to hang out here in this really dangerous place while y'all fix this. And then they go and they're like, hold up, y'all ain't fixed it. And Beast figures out that this cloud is fixing to disperse into the atmosphere completely, making Earth completely inhabitable to mutants. So it's going to either... Holy moly. And so the X-Men are like, I mean, it's like all the mutants, like Storm and Magneto and Emma Frost and all of them are like, we've got to do something. We can't, even, we can't live in hell, literally. We can't live here. So they go and they take over. But the story, the way they're trying to play it is like both sides are right. And it's like, Marvel, come on, no. No, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> this It's like a, the Where? Inhumans are basically a bunch of rich people who are trying to get better while all these like poor little ugly mutants have to hide somewhere. And But they're trying to say that the Inhumans are, are their moral stance is right. And it's, what I don't know, it's, it's not a bad series if you're really pushing for the X-Men, which I am, because the X-Men, like, they just completely take down the Inhumans. It is so much fun watching it, especially when they take down Black Bolt, who is just, you know, incredibly powerful. And, um, yeah. oh, man, it's like that's fun watching the X-Men, like, all team up and just take the Inhumans down completely, you know? But it's like nobody right. can read this and root for the Inhumans. This isn't right. And Marvel's playing it up like that both sides have a, a right issue here. And it's, it's, it is a yeah. weird, weird series because of that. Because they want it to be like Civil War, where you're torn on which side you're pulling right. for. But when one side is clearly in the wrong, you kind of go, I'm not having an issue yeah. here. 
And like huh. in Civil War, I could see both sides, but Iron Man was such a jerk in the comic series, at least. He was such a jerk that I was like, oh, I'm not rooting for him, you know. Yeah. But in this case, no, the Inhumans are absolutely 100% wrong. And it's, it's so it's huh. like, man, it's just off. It's it's good because I'm rooting for the X-Men, like I said, but it's it's just not, I don't know what's wrong with Marvel right now. Oh. Their moral uh, compass is a little off there. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, but. And yet interesting. But it's getting the X-Men back on Earth eventually. I mean, they've already announced all the titles, and, then, you know, hopefully they're fixing to have yeah. X-Men is fixing to pick up again. But I don't know. They need a better editor on that series. <laughs> wow. All right. That's a good, good opening for this volume. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Welcome back. And uh, geek out, everybody. Geek out. Is there anyone in the universe who actually listens to this geek house garbage? I am Groot. Ha, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I think these losers, Brian and Casey, created a new way to torture people through sheer boredom. I am Groot. Sure, I'll take their money and record a dumb sign-off for them. Who cares? I am Groot. Say bye to the dumb audience. All five of them, including their parents. <laughs> I am Groot. Oh, and uh, follow them on Twitter or something. And email Website too. Geek House Pod and all of those. What's a Twitter? God, should have let Galactus finish him off. I am Groot.